0: My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number... How's your headphones, sweetie? I
1: just turned them up just a little bit because I can't hear you
0: very well. Not in my ears. I'll do that in a second. Okay. Uh, This is podcast number 728. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding and always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, Kathy's got a hot take. She's got an update. Uh, we're going to talk about ADHD and how it shows up in men and women, and um, and a few other things. Um, I first want to just say we last week announced that Kathy and I are uh, reactivating our Zen Parenting in Person Weekend event. Did you say
1: reactivating,
0: yeah. Um, Wonder Twins, twenty twenty four. Wonder Twin Powers Activate. Form of uh, eagle, shape of water Correct. One was wa- one was li- was like
1: versions of water, right? Yeah. And the other could be animals.
0: Yes, that's yeah. right. And uh, but she was always water. It was kind no, of No, she was ice sometimes. I know, but there's just not a lot you can was do. Was she with ever that. steam? Uh, I don't know. That's a it's a good question, but as we share with that, I'm going to Is she a vapor? Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. <laughs> it's the trouble alert. Oh no, it's an environmental emergency. Oh no. no. We're still having those. Yeah, we are. Satellite scanners have been... I just want to fast forward to the emergency, emergency at the twin powers, activate. Activate. activate! Shape out an eagle! Eagle? Form of water! Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was always water. So I had them mixed up. Yeah, she so was the I. animal, I. he was
0: the... She got the good job.
1: <laughs> he's like, He's like, and this time I'll be water
0: anybody <laughs> and then she would carry him around in a bucket <laughs> anybody born after 1980 has no idea what we're talking about well right now. so there's they're this cool cart- they know there's this cartoon called super friends and batman was on it <laughs> superman i guess it was a dc thing dc yeah and they had these wonder twins and it was like they were a little bit younger than everybody they did a fist pump and they had a fist
1: pump to activate
0: um but <laughs> she was always an eagle But he wasn't always an
1: ego. She was other
0: things. She's always carrying a bucket of water (laughs) with her twin brother. Okay.
1: Let's go. All right. So we're talking about this Zen Parenting 2024, which is our, as Todd said, we have reactivated our in-person event. And so he said, okay, how can we narrow this down? Three things. Number one, best speakers ever. We're talking about teens. And I'm telling you, we have, we are covering like the vast majority of the topics, of course, We're not going to be able to cover every single thing, but if you have a teen, these are the things you're thinking about. Screens, you're thinking about, um, you know, eating disorders, you're thinking about LGBTQ, sexual identity, gender identity. You're thinking about um, how to be, you know, how to be conscious when it comes to communicating. You're thinking about their relationships. You're thinking about sex ed. You're thinking about neurodiversity. You're thinking about anxiety, anxiety, anxiety. And we actually even have a speaker who's going to talk about what human trafficking really is because I think there's been some misunderstandings about what it is and there's a lot of conspiracy theories around it when really it is a thing. But I think we – need to have a better understanding of how teens get targeted and why. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it, we've got some really interesting speakers. And there is limited seating this year. We have a new venue that is awesome.
0: Awesome but smaller. But
1: smaller. So you have to, you know, a lot of people would come up to the end and be like, can I come now? Yeah. Answer's no. And the answer is no. <laughs> so, so get you, it now. You we it's not about work shutting it off to like promote sales. We literally have even the capacity that we have, we've pushed it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, we've
0: already, yes. We've
1: already kind of pushed that line. So just, it's you have to get your ticket now.
0: It's January 26th and 27th. It's yep. at the Hilton Oak in Oakbrook Hills, actually Oakbrook, Illinois.
1: Which is outside of Chicago. If you
0: want to see the speakers, go to the link that I'm including in these show notes, and you'll be able to watch the little YouTube montage of our previous speakers, and it announces our upcoming speakers and while you're there go ahead and subscribe to our youtube channel we're shooting to break 100 sometime soon i know we had to start over with our youtube channel so we're like literally starting over we put a lot of effort brad puts a lot of effort into uh, these awesome clips that show up if anybody uses youtube that you if you are in our algorithm or if we're in your algorithm you'll see a bunch of like smaller kind of cool clips from our podcast, so Todd
1: uses YouTube the way I use TikTok or Instagram Reels. Yeah. Like he scrolls through YouTube clips. Well, they which... know me,
0: and they just like last night. Uh, so we're recording this on September 11th. Uh, but Even though it's we're not posting it till next week, till the 19th. Uh-huh. Um, but it knows what I want to see. I I did not see the U.S. Open tennis. And it just knows that I want to see the highlights. So I watched the highlights last night. So I love how they know who I am.
1: Yeah, I have to be very careful with my algorithms. Because if I stop on something that is like, like last night, I was watching and I stopped on a dog that had been rescued. And I'm usually, I am, I love animals. I love them, but I'm not always looking at dogs. But all of a sudden my algorithm (laughs) turned into all dogs. Mm -hmm. So, and true crime, I love true crime. And all of a sudden there's all these murder stories. So I kind of have to be super careful. Um, But anyway, go watch our montage too of our previous conferences, because if you don't know, if you are new to Zen Parenting Radio, you have to see who used to be, who who used to, they still do. um, But who has been at our conferences in the past. Like we've had some, Um, we've done it five years, so this will be our sixth year and, you know, they're just amazing. So if you want to kind of see where we've been and where we're going, you should watch that video.
0: Please do. Um, and then just really quick regarding, uh, Team Zen, uh, it's a 25 bucks a month. It's what, what do you, what, what are you? The thing. I know it's, it's up here So Because I think
1: when you start with the, the circle, when you start with money, I think people tune
0: out that's the first thing I want to know. I, you know what? This is you and I. This is the difference between you and I. And I'm better. Uh, <laughs> um, join the circle. It's a Team Zen membership platform. It's an app with Zen Parenting Radio's complete parenting content collection, plus live talks all in one place, 25 bucks a month, canceled time. Todd did not use his hands while doing that. No, I did not. Um, and this week coming up, there's a micro community on raising healthy sons. Nice. Um, I am leading a uh, discussion on the... Uh, Barbie movie talking about femininity, masculinity. Last week I did a women's circle because I do one every month. Yeah. So there's just some things that are coming up this exact week. So now let's pivot over to uh, your hot take.
1: Okay. So it's funny. My hot take is actually um, from TikTok and Reels and probably it's on YouTube as well. And it's this thing that has been going on for years. It's not brand new, but it's so prevalent and I kind of, in my mind, every time I'm like, why are we here? So it's called GRWM, hashtag GRWM. It stands for get ready with me, okay? What get ready with me means is I'm going to put my makeup on while I talk to you, uh-huh. okay? So this is, obviously, I'm being very gender specific. Actually, some men, though, do this too. They put on their makeup um, you know, while they're getting ready, but I, it's, you know, typically women, girls, a lot of college students, a lot of, you know, and my hot take about it is (laughs) that it's so prevalent. Like everybody is doing it now where I'm kind of like, we're, we're all like, and and here's why I focus on it. The amount of serums that people are putting on their face, we need to relax.
0: So I have a question. Yeah. Is GRWM, they're like teaching you what they put on their face? So, okay. So, or are they just talking about something different? No, while So they're getting they're, ready.
1: There's a mixture. Okay. So, I think when it first started, there was actually, there's this person who kind of gets credit for this from a few years ago who said, and it might have been a guy, but anyway, it was like a get ready with me. And I'm going to put on makeup and I'm going to talk to you about something else. Now, why is that appealing to the brain? Because you're kind of watching... So for the person speaking, it can help them focus because they're not just staring at a screen. They're actually doing something else and they're talking. And so there's a little more fluidity to their conversation. So that's part of it. The other part is for people who really like to look... There's like a... I'm trying to think of a word for it, but where you like to look at that, it's like it's not... AMSR, is that the ASMR? That the ASMR. But it's kind of got that vibe where you're hearing all the clicks and all the, you know, opening of the makeup and the rubbing. Like there's something to it that makes you feel kind of calm. Um, so and then, so, but because people do this, obviously makeup companies are getting in on it and they're like, use my product so you can promote my product. So a lot of times they'll say, oh, by the way, this is by Bobby Brown, and this is this color. I love it. So, like, they're selling in the midst of doing "Get Ready with
0: Me." Can I can I do my first official GRWM (laughs) with you live right now? Sure. All right, let's just pretend I woke up. I'm gonna take my headphones off. Great. My headphones are off.
1: Take your glasses off. You don't have those in the morning. I don't
0: sleep with my glasses. No, you do not. Ready? Ready. Here we go. Okay. Okay. Glasses on. Hat on. Get ready with me. (laughs) I'm ready. I'm ready for the day. He's ready.
1: So if you guys want to see how fascinating that was, you have to go to YouTube because it was pretty extensive. Mine,
0: uh, my GRWM wouldn't be that long.
1: No. Well, you are also male and society doesn't expect you to put on makeup and to do all the things that women do. So we don't want to make it like you do it right and we do it wrong because society tells us we have to do this. Mm -hmm. And even though many, um, I'd say vast majority of the time I do not wear makeup, but when I go out, I do, Mm -hmm. you know, because I want to, you know. Do that. What's so funny, Um, I
0: I might get into trouble here. uh Uh-oh. See, I'm
1: so nervous sometimes with you.
0: Because you say society says, and I agree with you. There is a culture of conditioning, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. But I remember us doing a podcast a long time ago when we, we kind of criticized the idea of well, society says. Sure. Of course. So do you remember that take that you had on, like we are society? Correct.
1: Like- we, so there's many different layers to these conversations because of course, if I'm in a really introspective or even going the other route, academic or whatever place, I can talk about how society is us. So we need to change. And there's all these layers. But the truth is, Todd, is when women go out in the world, they are judged Mm -hmm. by how they look. And you judge women because you decide if women are pretty or not. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they're pretty because they're wearing makeup and doing their hair. Mm -hmm. If I walked around the house every day, 24-7, all the time, just you're going to go, no, I'd love it that way. But in a ponytail, I never did my hair. I, I never did makeup. You may be like, okay, you know, where's, can we can we take it up a notch? Yeah. You may not. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think sometimes we're. we're th- my favorite, my favorite, my favorite is we actually played it at a conference a few years ago. It's that Amy Schumer um, parody. It's from her show Inside Amy Schumer. And she did this thing using kind of a, a parody of, um, you don't know, you know, uh, yeah. you, what's the song? Uh, um, beautiful. Um, <laughs> you don't know you're beautiful. Mm-hmm. Okay, so One Direction. And so they don't use that song, but they use a version of it where they're saying to the girl, take your makeup off. And then she takes it off and they're like, oh, whoa, put your makeup back on. <laughs> because society, you know, men or other. <laughs>
0: yeah. it's-
1: So, is she wiping it off yeah. right now? Okay, so just wait till oh, this hold part. Hold
0: up, girl, we spoke to soon. With this whole no makeup tone. Kind of changed our mind on the makeup thing. You'll be the hottest girl in the nation. With just a touch of foundation. Girl, I can't be seen with the ghost from the rain. I didn't know that your lashes were so stubby and pale. Just a little mascara. And you're a female. Please listen, girl, what we're trying to say. Just get Okay, that thing makes me laugh so hard. Well, and you gotta, and I'll include this YouTube clip in our show notes because the visual is as good as the words of the song.
1: It's perfect because that's the thing is that song, you know, you don't know you're beautiful. It's like, in, you do this too, Todd, but I do believe you because I live with you where you're like, I just like girls natural. And if they just were like themselves, and if you really saw women, mm-hmm. Not do makeup. Because a lot of women like go to yoga, but they still do foundation or they'll put their hair in a perfect ponytail. Like there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of doing up to make you look like you didn't
0: do anything. I I am 100% on board with the double standard. Yes, I'm I'm totally on board that we, um, that guys get off easy on how they present. I also, there's that part in this is 40 where, um, Leslie Mann's character is so mad because she says something like. As we get older, we we are not as attractive, and as men get older, they get more attractive. And I think like was that in knocked up or this is forty? Maybe it's knocked up. Yeah, because
1: I think it's when she can't and get it, into the and bar. You know,
0: like Harrison Ford is a good example. Like you know, I think he George Clooney, yeah. Brad Pitt, and women are held up to a completely different standard. So I'm not I'm not trying to. Be the other side of this argument i'm totally on board with you i just when we say society yes and there's like let's change it
1: well and it's cultural conditioning yeah. is what it is is that i i'm writing about all this right now like it's a very for one human for one person to take that on and then go into the world and say i'm not gonna and plenty of people do this i go like i said i go into the world of the time with no makeup on, like it's not, and I have a ponytail and I, and it's not a big deal. There's also these other great TikToks of like, once you get to a certain age, you go out in your pajamas, Mm -hmm. you're like, whatever. So it's not about, we need to look gorgeous all the time and put on a facade. It's that if I'm going to like, if you had a, if you had a big event for Men Living or Mm -hmm. for your work, I'm not going to show up in Mm -hmm. a ponytail. And there's an expectation of that women, you know, do a little. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so anyway, I'm going to get back to my hot take. Yeah. So, you know, get ready with me. My hot take is less about stop doing this. Cause I understand people like it. It just cracks me up how many there are. Mm-hmm. Like I, everybody's like, watch me get ready. Yeah. And then I'm going to talk to you about, you know, what's going on in my relationships. It's, it's funny to me, but the thing that I'm like astounded by is the amount of serums people are putting on their face and the amount of layers of makeup. Like they're in, and I'm not, I understand makeup. You know, we just went through that whole thing with cultural conditioning, but it'll be like, w- here's a stick that I put all over my face. Then I'm going to put a different contour. Then I'm going to put a, a bronzer. Then I'm going to put the actual foundation. Now I'm going to put the powder. I'm like, people right? <laughs> relax.
0: Can Can I weigh in real quick? Please. You use the word serums. And for some reason, when I think of serums, I think of rattlesnake bites. Like
1: well, <laughs> I, I,
0: So I wasn't aware of that serums were something that we did to our face. And my other hot take on top of your hot take is my daughters and my nieces sometimes go into whatever, what's that store they love? Sephora? Sephora. Sephora. Mm-hmm. And most people's faces, now I know when you get into your teenage years, you get acne and all that, but Their faces are so like so young, young. I know, and beautiful. And they're doing anti aging. And they're doing these things. I'm like, (laughs) what are you guys doing? Like, wait until you're 65. I know, you don't need this. And I blame. Uh, Kim Kardashian and all the other... Well, it's the industry. Yes.
1: You know, she's one of the people, but it's the industry. Every every big person has a makeup line now, mm-hmm. including, you know, Selena Gomez and Lady Gaga. And, you know, everybody has a, a makeup line. And in the makeup line, how do you sell more makeup? You say, I remember doing this even when I was young, like even before all this stuff came along. It was like, if you're going to buy Pantene shampoo, you need the Pantene hairspray and you need the, ha- the Pantene leave-in conditioner and you need the Pantene moose and you know I'm doing 80s here but you want to get the whole line mm-hmm. and now with makeup there's this whole line where I but what I'm and I'm being a mom here but you don't need those mm-hmm. like honestly when you really talk to people who understand skin and it be it be dermatologists or whatever you need to wash your face and put on moisturizer and I understand for people who are doing some anti-aging or maybe doing some things there's a few other things they want to do and it's less about I'm judging it and more about, I I think we're selling Gen Z and millennials like a box of rocks. Right. Like I don't, I think this is like not, they don't need it, right. but I think they also think it's fun because it makes them feel good and they enjoy the process. So my hot take is I'm kind of like in the middle. I understand, but I'm also like, I want to say to these kids, you don't. And I don't mean you don't need it because you're young. You literally
0: don't need it. Mm -hmm. Like it's not doing what you think it's doing. Right. Um, Before we get into the main topic. Sure. um, I just wanted to... uh, I think I'm about to really annoy a lot of our listeners. Oh, no. I'm going to play something that you and I have been (laughs) singing to ourselves and to each other for the last week.
1: I'm scared. Oh, oh, no. You're going to put it in everybody's head.
0: (laughs) I just want to apologize. It's an earworm. It's an earworm. So... I'm trying to pull up these candy bar commercials from the 80s. Kathy, you actually just sent this to me, but I couldn't come up with a good example like Snickers and Twix. And, you know, they were like... We good, knew them by heart. Good we knew commercials, the songs, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Kathy sends me this thing on Instagram <laughs> or TikTok, and it's for <laughs> Nestle, white chocolate. Well,
1: before you start it, it's, the reason it made me laugh is it says, my children ask me, were the 80s dramatic? Yeah. And I say this.
0: for a chocolate bar. <laughs> I'm going to play that intermittently throughout the podcast for the next two years.
1: We've been singing it a lot. And I've been passing it to people who are like, why are you giving that to me? Because now I'm singing it. First of all, the reason we're singing is we remember it. Like when when I listened to it, I knew every word to it. I remember it. And then when you think about these were the things we watched, this is just one.
0: Like just a lot of
1: a better sound quality. I feel
0: like it's a romance novel song.
1: Well, it is. I, I want to say something inappropriate,
0: but I And then they got like the background vocals.
1: <laughs> it's like a Rolling Stones song.
0: So sorry if you. First of all, if you remember that commercial, that's awesome. Then, I do remember. Hello, that Gen commercial. Xer. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyways, that's my other thing. So we're 20 okay, minutes so, in and we haven't talked about
1: Well, anything. let me do this. This is a quick update and it blends into what we're talking about. And the quick update is a couple weeks ago, we were talking about um, HSP. We were talking about highly sensitive people. And one of the questions you asked me was, you said, what is the overlap between highly sensitive people and autism? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know, but I know people talk about it, it more. And so I did a bunch of reading and this is basically what we came up with. So sensor- so uh highly sensitive people falls under sensory processing sensitivity. Okay. So SPS. Mm-hmm. I know I'm gonna do a lot of acronyms. But being a highly sensitive person, you are you you have sensory processing differences. Okay. And I wouldn't even call them difficulties. They're just different. Um so basically there's there is like, you know, everything feels a little bit stronger because you just you take in information differently, okay? Um, so it's so just so we know, um, being a highly sensitive person is to. It's in about twenty percent of the population, and it's not considered a disorder. It's not something that is diagnosed because that was another question you asked me. Okay, where. Autism, the autos, autism spectrum disorder, it's a neuro de, del, excuse me neurodevelopmental condition. Mm-hmm. So it's affecting more things. That's why it's different because it affects social, communication, behavior, and sensory processing. Mm-hmm. So it's just this um, SPS, sensory processing, it's that, or being a highly sensitive person is just a piece of that. So they're not the same. Okay. That's. I just wanted to give that update. Cool. Okay, so let's talk about this. So Todd and I have been talking, I feel like this has been a discussion for a while just because of some articles that came out and some friends of ours that are experiencing this. But what we know now, if you if everybody didn't know this already, is when it comes to ADHD, which stands for um, uh, te- attention deficit and highly or hyperactive, hyperactive. wait a second. Wait a second. Just hold on. Just um, hold that thought. You want me to Google ADHD? No, no. I I just want to make... Because there has been some... Um, because of the definition there. So attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Thank you. Yeah. I Sometimes I add in, in attention, and that's really just part of the diagnosis. Okay. So ADHD, it looks different in women and men. And the reason why this is so interesting is because if, if you didn't know this... Um, a lot of our drugs and a lot of our like diagnoses are not based on women. They're mostly based on men. Okay. What that means is that women were not included in a lot of research when it came to not just ADHD, but other diagnoses, because they couldn't be Depended on
0: Well, there's more variables.
1: (laughs) There's more variables. In a women's
0: body cycle, all that stuff. Yeah.
1: A lot of times they've been neglected from research because – and this is an um, unsubstantiated belief. Like this isn't necessarily true. I'm having a hard time saying words. Um, That our cycle would somehow cause variability in the results. Mm -hmm. So – and there's also – this is the other one that kind of shocked me. Um, women are twice as likely to suffer adverse reactions to drugs, which means that like 80% of drugs are withdrawn from the marketplace. So people can't like promote them and they don't get, you know, FDA approval. So they start pulling women out of the actual study to get the drugs approved. But do you see how that makes no sense? Basically, then you're just creating drugs for men because mm-hmm. women are having side effects from these drugs and they're like, yeah, but we want to get it out there. Yeah. So we
0: don't want to count you. Mm. So in other words, uh, they'll say, hey, this drug's good to go. It'll impact a man in a certain way and it'll impact a woman. Well, they're able
1: to go through the whole scientific process, do yeah. the do the research on it and get the results they need to mm. push it through. Yeah. But when they would have women in the study and women would say, hey, I'm having an adverse reaction here or I'm having this experience here, they'd say rather than like figure out how to have that not happen, we're just going to pull you from the study. Hmm. Do you see what I mean? So then the, the belief is that like if we are studying men when it comes to ADHD or cardiovascular or whatever, our DNA is close enough that we're going to have the exact same experience yeah. if it'd be a drug or a diagnosis, but that's not true. And now there's been obviously some legislation, there's been some, um, you know, organizations, groups, like some advocacy, um, and some, you know, activism around getting women involved in research. But I think the stat is still really low. Okay. I thought I had written it down, but it's not, um, it's not happening the way that we thought it would. It's too slow. Yeah. Let's just say that. Like, okay. we've started changing it, but it's too slow. Um, so anyway, what's been happening is that ADHD is now being diagnosed more in women. Okay? So this is happening because when... Basically, this is a Gen X thing, I have to be honest with you, is that there are so many women in my age group who are now being diagnosed because as kids they weren't thought of, of having an attention issue. They were just thought of as being like flaky or yeah. flighty or right. absent-minded. How many girls did we call ditzy?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You so, know what I mean? Yeah. And that wasn't the only symptom, but it was like the, there was a passivity to it, like, oh, this doesn't affect them. And then what's unfortunate is that with ADHD, if it's undiagnosed, a lot of times what really becomes the presenting feature is anxiety, And so then we diagnose a lot of women with anxiety because that becomes the thing they experience because of the untreated ADHD. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, So we're just kind of now figuring this out. And I I just know like the stat has gone up tremendously as far as like the amount of kids that are diagnosed with ADHD, boys versus girls, it's like significant difference, like 70% of boys and like 3% of girls. But then- as we get older, the stat starts to get closer because women can now, now we're, now because we're involving women in research and we're actually researching women's experience with ADHD, we see something different.
0: Well, and I just, I think I'd like to jump in just about my experience. You know, I've been in the professional world for 30 years Uh and have experienced all different types of people. And I, when I, when I think of ADHD, I think of like uh, some friends of mine, some colleagues of mine. Easily distracted, like they can't sit mm-hmm. in a meeting for more than ten minutes before they stand up or f- before they, st- you know, bring another element of the kind. Like they just can't sit still. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I used to and probably still do sometimes judge these people. I'm like, will you just sit down. You know, I right. say in my head. We just sit down so we can finish this, so we can move on to the next thing. Um, and it has happened a lot. And I, we were just talking before we pressed record this morning, how. It's important, you know, as much as we don't like labeling people or introducing different frameworks, if I know somebody is um, dealing with, dealing with, thank you, with ADHD, whether they know it or don't know it, or whether I think it or it's true or not, it helps me have a little more empathy and compassion for that person. Mm-hmm. And there's a few people in my life that I'm super close to, um, work colleagues and friends. And I, ha- I'm now understanding them a little bit better because you know my world is can't everybody just be like me which is (laughs) right sit down and be show up on time show up on time be focused focused, do all that other stuff and that doesn't mean everybody gets off the hook for everything but if we can understand each other a little bit better if i can understand these people in my life a little bit better I can more easily have empathy and compassion. And like, maybe I run a meeting differently. Like, okay, we've been sitting here for 20 minutes. It's now time for us to stand up, take a breath, go outside, you know, look at nature, and then let's come back in two minutes or something like that. So that's why I wanted to bring up this topic because we've done 750 or so of these podcasts. Grownups, we're so excited to tell you about the podcast, What If World? Stories for Kids. I just listened to an episode Uh, celebrating Pride Week, celebrating love, identity, and understanding called What If Basketballs Were Alive? Alley-oop is a basketball through and through. The only trouble is she was born looking like a baseball. But when she finds the magic to look like her true self, will her community understand and celebrate Alley-oop's transformation? You'll love this podcast because... It answers your kids' questions with imaginative stories. There's over 200 original stories for car rides, bedtime, or whenever kids need a little break.
1: It has positive and progressive messages worked into every episode that encourages empathy, creativity, and confidence. It's
0: rated among the top podcasts for kids by the New York Times, the Washington Post, and Common Sense Media. It's fun for kids, and it's entertaining for grownups. You can listen to What If World
1: on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your favorite shows. That's What If World Stories for Kids.
0: That's why I wanted to bring up this topic because we've done 750 or so of these podcasts and I don't think we've ever talked about this.
1: Well, so let's talk about the diagnosis itself so people know what we're talking about. So there's three types of diagnosis when it comes to ADHD. So um, inattentive type is the first one. So that's like, you know, typical forgetfulness, lack of attention to detail, inability to complete tasks, um, being easily sidetracked and adult. Adults and girls are more likely to be di- diagnosed with this um, inattentive type than boys. Okay. okay. I'm not saying it's not a part of boys' experience because I'll get to that in a second, but girls and you know adults. Hyperactivity impulsive type. Um symptoms include feeling restless, fidgety, can take the form of being overly talkative, described as someone who's always in motion or constantly busy. Boys are more likely to be diagnosed with this, especially when they're young. Like I will say. Um, I used to diagnose kids all the time because I worked at a children's hospital here in Chicago. And I could almost tell, I'd been there for you, a few years and I would meet a boy and even before asking him questions, just by his demeanor, mm-hmm. you could tell. Yeah. Now, I, I don't mean that I didn't ask the questions, but there was like, even a way they looked, yeah. even a way their eyes would, you know, mm-hmm. dart around, like you would kind of be like, wow, there's some, you know, obvious hyper hyperactivity. And then of course there's combined type, which includes both inattentive and hyperactive impulsive traits. Um, and they can be mild to severe. Like, again, like everything, it's, you know, it's a bit of... Of a spectrum yeah. there's it's not that everybody looks exactly the same um but those are the three types
0: so inattentive uh-huh hyperactive and then a hybrid is that what so you yeah said?
1: hyperactive impulsive okay so you okay. know hi and then the last one is combined the two where um somebody is inattentive and they're hyperactive mm-hmm. okay and so um so in women inattentive is the most common type which you know makes sense and and what We now understand, and we'll dig deeper into these specifics, but is that men and boys, when they have issues with attention, um, they tend to project it outwards, Mm -hmm. similar to emotions, right? You know, like we've often talked about depression, how sometimes in men it shows up as violence and anger, and as women, it shows up as depression. It's the same way with, you know, ADHD. Like a lot of men, you see it on the outside. Um, you see their, you You know, know, hyperactivity, you know, they're, you see they're, they're talking a mile a minute. A lot of women turn it internally and they're very hard on themselves about being forgetful or forgetting to say something or, or saying something that, you know, or not remembering something or being late, you know, not being on time. And they're very like self depreciating and, and it all kind of, and that's why it can end up showing up as anxiety Mm -hmm. because Instead of dealing with, oh, my brain actually processes things differently, it's what's wrong with me. And so, you know, these are um, this understanding of how it's going to look in a woman. Mm -hmm. And again, I want to, you know, we have to like cover all these pieces there are women who also show the hyperactivity impulsive part and too men the
0: other way of exactly
1: course. it's just what is the most typical um you know the the fidgetiness mm-hmm. I have friends who need to move yeah. not just their bodies but their fingers yeah. you know they need to have something in their hand they sure. need to be doing something while they talk mm-hmm. and that is and and I'll say the other thing that I've noticed in the women that I know that now know they have ADHD is they were able to, because they weren't diagnosed as kids or we didn't have this language, they were able to come up with really good skills to counteract the challenge. Okay, what do I mean by that? They were able to become good list makers, they were able to become really good at writing things down and remembering, giving themselves reminders. Maybe you know, way back when on our Blackberries or on our what was that thing called that we used to Chandler, um, Chandler's assignment notebook, whatever they were. They would just they were good. They basically are like, Org- I can't hold this information. They're organizers, right? Organizers. So I'm going to write it down, and I'm going to become really skilled. And then when Facebook came along, and we had access to people's birthdays, and we'd get reminders, it was even better, right? But a lot of times people develop really strong skills in other areas, just like someone who's dyslexic, sure. who has a hard time reading, they become great listeners because it's like, I can't really see the words, but I can hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So whatever, whenever we're lacking in some area, if it be because of nature, nurture, you know, brain development or whatever, we pick up on things, we strengthen in other areas. Yeah. So that's the thing is a lot of times we can't see that this is challenging us anymore because we've put all of these things in place to prop ourselves up, sure. which is a positive. I've, there's nothing but positive there. But then sometimes we have, a, we'll be like, but no, I am organized. And it's like, well, you're organized because you developed all these systems. Mm-hmm. It, But your actual, the way you're thinking is actually chaotic sometimes right. where you it doesn't stop. Your brain doesn't stop and you're having a hard time with all these tasks and getting them together or you're hard on yourself about it, or you're always late or whatever it may be. So it's, um, I just want to, you know, point out the fact that no matter what your diagnosis is, if you have one or a label, we figure things out. Like I was talking about with the HSP, with being a highly sensitive person, you know, like I said, when I was very, very young and I don't really even remember this, but my mom would tell me I was really, really shy. And then I started developing things like I need to go out in the world, I need to push myself, I need to, hey, you know, that scares me, so I'm going to do that. Like, because of my limitations, I figured out ways to push myself that maybe somebody else wouldn't. And so these are just, you know, things
0: we do. Yeah. And um, once again, it's for me, um, I just sometimes I'm like, just do things the way I like to do things. (laughs) Or be as organized as I am or be... Or don't be... I'm sorry I keep saying don't be late, but that's such a big one for you. Oh, yeah. And I've tried to investigate that a bit because I do have some pretty significant challenges of being late. And I think I've even shared on this podcast. First day I was supposed to go to work at Dominic's.
1: Wait, can I say this before sure, you say that? Ahead. You just said you have significant challenges of being late. You actually don't. You are always on time.
0: Yeah. My challenge is when other people, when are, other late, people are late. When other people are late. late. Okay. You know, five o'clock means five o'clock. Right. Um, my first day on the job as a bagger at Dominic's grocery store, I was, whatever, 45 minutes late because my dad told me he'd get me back on time. He didn't do that. I was, we're at a family outing at a water park and I was, you know, my first day on the job. So I'm, I've tried to trace like, what is my baggage with being late? And that's the earliest I can, earliest memory I can come up with when I was 16 years old. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so. I just, for me, I, I, my whole point of wanting to bring this up is for me to be able to cultivate some more compassion in myself for people that see the world differently than, than what I do or they're wired differently than I am. Right. And what's interesting about ADHD in adults is it had, for, for most of my adult life, I've never even thought about anybody having that. Right. Because a lot of it can be covert. It could be hidden. It's not like somebody has a ADHD label on their forehead, like, and then it's easy for me to empathize with them. Instead, I have to be a detective. and um, Or accepting. Well, yeah. First, notice it. Yeah. And then to accept it. Right. But I can't accept it until I notice it. True. So, um, yeah, that's my whole thing is I just want to be better at night. Friends who are on meds to do it, Mm -hmm. and then they try to come off, and then they stay off, but others try to come off, and it didn't work. Um, and it's, it's, um, I don't pretend to know what it's like, of course I get distracted just like the rest of us, Mm -hmm. but I just want to be clear as like, I'm not an expert on any of this. I'm just sharing my own experience of it with loved ones and colleagues as I'm trying to like get better at noticing it. And developing more compassion for it. That's it.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting you bring up medication because we're not really going to dive into that today as far as... Because here's the thing about what's nice with ADHD meds is you can have choice, meaning... Some people do, you know, time release and it just releases throughout the day. And then maybe on the weekend, they don't even take meds. And some people take it a few times a day because that's what works better for them. Like there's a lot of different options now, even than there were 10 years ago, um, about how you want to, because some people just medicate, use medication for if they're going to take a test or if they need to focus or they don't, you don't. It's different than an SSRI, which you have to take over time and build up in your system. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is a lot of people have found, you know, when they... And I'll talk about adults. They start taking a med and they're like, oh my gosh, I have been struggling with the way my brain processes things. And now I'm I can chill yeah. and I can like hear myself and I can make choices. So... This and, and is our meds the only thing we can do? No. no, sometimes we don't need meds at all, and it's just a realization of the way I process is different. We've built up We've built up a number of tools where we can function with it, but we have a little more self-compassion about it. Right. So again, it's the spectrum. What do we need is very um, individual. So, And it's the same with your kid. I think that um, I can go both ways with this. We have like shows from a long time ago where I was always concerned about meds with kids because I worked in a hospital and saw how many kids were medicated. I also have seen the other side where when a kid doesn't have the medication they need, their life is so much harder. -hmm. And the and it's just it's insane to keep it from them or to not give them a med when you consider it. It's it's not something that they're choosing. It's something the way their brain has developed, and they need it just like somebody who um, has any other form. You know, if it be diabetes or whatever, and they need insulin. I know we use that all the time, but it works in this this situation. So it's a very personal journey when you get a diagnosis of whether or not meds are your thing. But what can be interesting for adults, I think, is when they realize how long they had been struggling and there was an option for them, mm-hmm. you know, or how long they had been self-depreciating and self, you know, critical. And then they realize it, it's not their fault. That's just the way they process. Sure. So there really is... Two sides. Number one, how we feel about ourselves. And then, as you said, how other people perceive us. Because I'm just like you, Todd, when I find out that somebody is, um, you know, their diagnosis is ADHD, or that they struggle with some of the um, organizational or impulsivity, then everything makes sense. So I'm not like, oh, you're late, so you don't care about me. Mm-hmm. It's more about, oh, yeah, you know, time is is harder. You know, the the understanding of time is a little more difficult. And like you said, it doesn't mean you don't ask for what you need. It just means you take it less personally. Yeah, right. I think when you understand that someone, they... And you and I have talked about this, like how someone processes information. Like sometimes you tell a story and someone sits there for a while, you know, with their eyes closed or they sit there for a while thinking about it. And we could be like, what, did you not hear me? Yeah. Like, you know, when really they need that moment to process to be able to give you an answer. And instead of us taking it personally or saying, well, you should respond right away or feeling insulted, we can understand that this person is doing their best to accommodate.
0: Well, and I feel like this is a good argument. You know, we, a few weeks ago we had Sean Emerson and Chris Lozier on, and we had a debate about frameworks and the value of frameworks or the absence of value in frameworks. And I feel like in this case, frameworks or labels are really helpful. Right. Whether we're talking about your love language, sweetie, is words. Right. acts of service. If I know your default is words, then uh, that helps me um, get to connect with you in a different way. Right. Same as Enneagram, same as somebody is diagnosed with ADHD. Like it helps me empathize like that's for me that's what i think is great about these labels and these frameworks does that mean because i'm a three on the enneagram or my love language is acts of service that that's all i am all i am of course not i'm like a boundless human being just like the rest of us that have all these different nuances within it but my center of gravity is that you know i see the world through a very specific lens and when i get tripped up you talked about not taking things personally that's when i i'm like no everybody should see the world the way i do and mm-hmm. then we're all going to get along just fine. I feel like a lot of us wake up in the morning doing that. And if we can just know that everybody's acting from their own experience. I was just having a discussion with a good friend on the car ride to uh, uh, the airport. I flew out of uh, Salt Lake yesterday. And he was talking about you know some of these problems that he has with some family members because they see, that he, they see the world so differently, mm-hmm. whether it's de- Democratic or Republican or whatever it is. And the bottom line, we talked about guns. And, you know, my friend's like, guns are stupid. Like, mm-hmm. why do we have guns? And and his family member's like, no, we need to arm our teachers out there. Wow.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: because that will keep our children safer. Mm. And what's interesting is that my friend's opinion is this is what we need to do to keep our children safer. And and his relative is saying, this is what we need to do to keep our children safer. Like, we're both coming at it from, uh, we both want the same thing. We both thing. care and we both want a good outcome. Yeah, we just disagree on how we do that. And and I struggle with that one because statistically well, that's not... Of course it's not. it doesn't not, make sense. I, I'm not about to get into okay. A, okay. De- a debate on who's right and who's wrong. Let's I'm put saying, a pin in that. I'm saying that there is a reason. Something happened sure. to his relative Correct. to make him or her think that this is the way we keep things safe. happen
1: to or story has been told to or what they read is exactly like it's all about what we're fed. Right. I mean, it's, and if
0: I was born into that body, into that world, into that news cycle or whatever, I would probably agree. I would probably believe that same thing because that's what I've been exposed to.
1: You know, it's so interesting. Uh, my daughter, who is uh, she's going to school in Iowa and one of her classes, she was telling me about how they're learning how different Aspects of the country, the the first settlers who came into different areas of the country that they're the kind of they set the tone and they were the determiners of still what we learn today. And are we we talking
0: about the white settlers, not the Native Americans, right? Correct.
1: I'm not going, I'm going back to just, this is just U.S. history. So we're not talking about all the, you know, the layers of our country. Yeah. Um, But that this first settlers who were, um, like you said, the white settlers, there are reasons why different parts of the country we think certain ways we do. And there's some obvious things, civil war and all that, but there's more, like Mm -hmm. as far as how we're educated, what we're told, some of it's family lore and some of it's just like you know it you know what our morals and values are it's just really interesting right. like she was um I'd rather have her talk about it cuz I don't have all the specifics but just some of the things she was telling me it tells you why we think the way we do at different parts of the country
0: well the bottom line is if we can really um investigate how a person got to believe what they believe uh-huh. i think the world would probably be in a healthier space but instead I dig my, I draw my line in the sand saying, this is the way I think the world should be. And if you disagree with me, you're my enemy. And it's just not a really good recipe for long-term connection.
1: Yeah. I think my frustration is, I would never call someone my enemy, but I think my frustration is, is when the information is incorrect. Sure. Like what I get frustrated at are, as everybody does, our lies in the media. And when we look at research, I mean, and this couldn't have been bigger than during COVID, you know, like- There are things where you're like, okay, this is science, and then somebody else will come out and say, yeah, but I don't like it, so believe me. And everyone's like, yeah. And so people aren't following the people who actually... And when I say following, I don't mean like a guru, but people aren't listening to people who have been studying things their whole life. They instead listen to like a a loud person who says, but I don't like that.
0: Well, and the the idea that these algorithms on our phones um, are built to elevate... Those Anything voices. that is, yeah. yeah, like this is not you being in the town square, right? Um, where you can only talk to a certain amount of people. I mean, and now with AI coming, you know, this we have an election coming up here in about thirteen months, right? Fourteen months. The amount of disinformation that is, you know, the video, like it's going to be really convincing. I of know all these things. Like Joe Biden says this, even though he didn't, or Donald Trump right. said that and he didn't. And it's going to be really hard to disseminate what's real, and what's not.
1: Dis, uh, not disseminate. Dis, discern? Decipher. Mm-hmm. Discern, yeah. Um, the, I think what's, interesting though is some of the social networking, some of the social media has already has things that said, this is not a true clip. Yeah, So we're trying to keep up with it. I don't think, I think no, you're right. No, we will be able
0: to. We're going to try our best. Yeah,
1: we're going to try our best. But people, you know, we're trying to like, what is a real clip and what is false? We're trying to figure that out. Yeah. But I just, um, I think the the big shift, and then I'll go back to ADHD, is once news media was disre- was deregulated. Mm-hmm. I think that's when Everything started to kind of fall apart yeah. <laughs> because we were able to get into the, and then social media just added to it. But this happened, I think, during Reagan, yeah. um, where we we deregulated it, and so now anybody can really call themselves news, and we can break off into our, you know, different Separate areas. Corners, yeah. yeah, so we don't have like news anymore. Okay, so going back to ADHD, just um, I'm going to say these things, and just to kind of close up shop here. So ADHD in women, just to kind of summarize. Less likely to be diagnosed, often looks like anxiety and is diagnosed for anxiety, more symptoms, symptoms of inattention, and more issues with internal and verbal aggression, like more internal aggression, like being angry at yourself and maybe being more like outwardly frustrated, okay? ADHD in men, more likely to be diagnosed, um, more like disruptive behaviors and acting out, yeah. Um, more hyperactivity and impulsiveness, and more physical aggression. Sure. And again, this we've just kind of started this, uh, um, I mean, relatively speaking, when it comes to how many years things are studied, really understanding how this looks in women. Mm-hmm. And I again, um, I'm grateful. Like, you know, we can say, well, it shouldn't have been this way or women should have been studied the whole time, but we're just trying to catch up here. Yeah. And I'm just really happy for people who are recognizing that they – you know it's sometimes the way that their brain is working or they're feeling like overwhelmed that there are things they can do or there's a way to understand themselves better mm-hmm. I mean that's really um, that's really the goal So I was <laughs> sweet
0: dreams you can't resist. Annie. Annie. is this your break Just trying to implant that earworm into it. I know, experience. and I'm sure
1: people are going to thank you for that. So can, I'm going to say a few more things, okay? So um – a first-of-its-kind study showed women diagnosed in adulthood with ADHD responded negatively to criticism, which is clinically... And we always have a clinical title for something. It's referred to as rejection-sensitive dysphoria. Okay. I would just call it not liking rejection, but I have to you know, be a therapist. RSD. So um, basically, the study of women, and the mean age was 41, showed that they tended to blame themselves when their lives went poorly. So again, women who are diagnosed later in life one of the things that they have recognized is a lot of these women are really self-blaming and self-critical so because again they didn't know why they dealt with things differently um
0: and uh it's so interesting i just think of self-criticism as like this human thing i criticize myself though the worst blame the, the person that i blame most in my world is always myself sure and i i don't know what it's like to be a woman um and But if, if you women have even a higher degree of self-criticism, I'm just like, holy cow. Of
1: course. Well, and again, it depends on the diagnosis and why. It's like talking about something like grief. Like I can grieve something that is like, oh, we're changing from summer to fall. Oh, I'm grieving that lot. And then there's grief where you've lost someone who someone has died or a pet has died. or And, and so everyone, all of it's grief. But what are the levels and layers and yeah. experiences? And and this is something I think that um, you know, Todd, you and I talked about again with Chris and Sean when they were on the show and we talked we talked about it for thirteen years, is that you we are way too in our heads about I experienced this, so it must be similar for everybody. Yes. And we have to recognize that just because we've had an experience doesn't mean it's the same as someone else's. Like I feel like you and I just the other day, we were going somewhere. I think it was because JC was talking, our daughter who's in Italy was talking about an experience she had with some men where she had to be kind of thoughtful about being in a group of women with a few guys because of something that happened. And I started sharing all these experiences that I still have Mm -hmm. as a woman out in the world. And they were kind of new ones. And you don't experience any of those things. None
0: of them. And it's funny. Um, I was with some dear friends this weekend. Um, and we I talked a little bit about that. And this is a total pivot. But um, my 20-year-old daughter is in Italy. And she's experiencing um, different ways in which that she has to keep herself safe. Mm-hmm. And I just find myself getting so frustrated um, just that that's the world that you uh, women have to live in. And, you know, we had a, a debate with Sean and Chris a few weeks ago about how, hey, it's not easy to be a, being a 14-year-old boy because it's harder to get into college and our brains are a little bit slower to develop and blah, blah, blah. But <laughs> I don't know. This is a whole nother podcast, but it's apples and oranges. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, a 14-year-old boy who is born into this man box and he swims in the cultural conditioning of this man box. It sucks and it's unfair. But the bottom line is the worst thing is that he, not the worst thing, but he just has to deal with his stuff. Whereas my daughter and my wife and my nieces have to do these things to keep themselves physically safe. Safety issues. And that's, mm-hmm. that is a, such a huge thing that I think us men have a hard time getting our arms around because we do not live in that world.
1: Right. Well, it, again, patriarchy hurts everybody. It hurts all genders because of the, you know, the conditioning it's not, but the, but to it is that there is an experience when men think they can relay their experiences and place them on top of women's, they are completely different. Yeah. There are things that we, you know, and I told Todd, I go the best, the best anal- or the best version, if you want to like kind of see it played out is in Barbie, when Barbie, when Barbie and Ken go into the real world, they roll their blade into the real world, and Barbie's like, everybody's looking at me differently, and I'm starting to feel uncomfortable. And Ken's like, Me too, and I love it. Mm-hmm. It's obviously they're trying to kind of make some humor out of it and and, and highlight the fact, but we walk down the street differently. I, I was telling Todd that like I, I drive a Jeep, and so the top will be open, and sometimes I pull up next to a, a truck driver. And there's all, like, and I'm 52. Do you know what I mean? Like, imagine how it was when I was 17. And they'll, like, look down and they'll wave and they'll honk and they'll, and again, I know some guys will be like, they're just being nice. There is this undercurrent of not feeling safe yeah. because I don't know, because I've experienced all of the above. Yeah, And you just are a little bit more of a object and it's not even it's not even and again people get this associated with it's only for people who are beautiful or it's not it's it's the way you're treated is differently and is different and it's um it's not an argument that i need to have with you or men it's just an understanding um that if we can you know, experiences. That's all.
0: That is a great. Can we hear
1: each other? That's that's, it.
0: That's a great segue to um, promote our masculine feminine Barbie talk. Let's talk about it. uh, Next Thursday, September 21st. So it's open to all genders. It's actually a men living event. I am leading it I don't know if you're going to be on there or not, Sweetie. You're not going to be on there are you? I don't know. Oh, it's up to you. It's at okay. night. You, sweetie doesn't like to work at night. <laughs> I'm
1: not a big night person. Um,
0: <laughs> but it,
1: unfortunately, most presentations are at night, so I'm always having to debate whether or not I'm going to do it. So
0: it's at 7 p.m. <laughs> Thursday, September 21st. This is a Men Living event that is open to all genders, and I really hope people show up for it. It's on Zoom, so just uh, it's the link is in the show notes, so just check it out.
1: I want more events during the day. I am so good at noon. I'm great at 9:30. I'm great at 8.30. I'm great at 3. But once it's like past 6.30 or 7, I'm like, aren't we done?
0: Yeah, you're shutting down. And
1: then when people are like, will you do presentation at 7.30? I'm like, really? Aren't we done? But we're not because people work and they can't do all of those things. But it's True. just a cafe thing.
0: Um, I want to uh, promote uh, Jeremy Craft. He's a bald headed beauty. He does painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Um, he's done a bunch of stuff in our house. He's a wonderful man. He's an honest contractor. 630-956-1800. The website is avidco.net. Um, anything else you want to promote there, babe? Uh, I think um,
1: get your tickets to Zen Parenting 2024. Mm-hmm. Um, go buy my book. I'm actually going to do a, a re-promotion of Zen Parenting the book. Good. Yeah, I actually was listening to Jess Leahy's podcast. It's called Am Writing and she was talking about how the gift of failure is 10 years old Mm -hmm. and she still promotes it all the time. I'm like, why am I not promoting? I have a new new proposal and so I have a new book that I'm trying to get out there. But I'm also like, why? It's only been a year and a half.
0: Well, and you also have, I know you don't like your first two books. I don't not like them. They're just so old. But how, how are they not any more important than when you wrote them? I know. It's a good point. So I actually... There's a lot of good stories in there that a lot of new moms, yeah. new dads absolutely need to hear. You're right. And that doesn't even speak for your third book,
1: yeah. which is awesome. Yeah. The
0: third book was good. Do you remember what the title of it is? Living What You Want Your Kids to Learn. And what's the subtitle?
1: Uh, the Power of Self-Aware Parenting. Very good. You thought you were going to get me. I did, I did. Yeah. Um. Yes. So yes, you're right. All of them are good. It's just the, um. they were just there for a certain time. It's like a, it's like someone who's, you know, songwriters who've written an album and they're like, I can't read that or I can't listen to that as much anymore because I'm not there anymore. Right. That's all. Um. And you get better, right? Mm-hmm. So like when I read some of my essays from... 12 or 13 years ago, I'm like, ugh, mm-hmm. that's just, I think, normal human stuff. Yeah. But anyway, Zen Parenting, I'm going to do a promotion. I'm going to talk more about chakras. I'm going to do something because it's just, it's it hasn't been that long. And in no. everybody who listens to this show, if you listen to this show, this book is 101.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, it's like, if you're like, how do I encapsulate this show? That's why I wrote the book. And mm-hmm. so I feel like I've just kind of dropped the ball.
0: Yeah. Well, we just got to keep um, making sure people know that it's available.
1: I know. I know. So, no, I am good. I'm good. Thank you.
0: Um, all right. So I will, we're going to play the outro music.
1: All right. Yes, <laughs> You're mean.
0: Yes, you yes. yes. Um. <laughs> We'll do the real promotion. Yeah, go. Finish finish the show. Finish the show. Um, everybody keep trucking. That's how I'm going to finish Have a show. good week, everybody. Bye.
1: Hey, everybody. We're thrilled to announce that the Zen Parenting Conference is back, live and in person, in 2024.
0: This year, our exclusive event will be centered around teens. Why? Because 30 years ago, the greatest threats to teen health were drunk driving, pregnancy, and illicit drugs. Today, it's currently anxiety, depression, suicide, self-harm, cyberbullying, and serious mental health disorders. Their experience is vastly different than our own, so let's get together and
1: talk about it. We owe it to them to listen, to have honest conversations, and to
0: live our way through it together. If you're currently parenting a teenager or have an emerging teen, this is an event you absolutely won't want to miss. We have limited seating this year, so secure your spot now. Go to ZenParentingRadio.com.
1: If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen Circle, our very own app that includes our virtual community, exclusive content, and support from us.
0: You could also purchase Kathy's award-winning book, Zen Parenting, Caring for Ourselves and Our Children in an Unpredictable World, or subscribe to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com resources. And if you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we'll talk to you again next week.